0: Chapter 20 of Hopalong Cassidy's Rustler Roundup. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lee Smalley. Hopalong Cassidy's Roundup by Clarence Edward Mulford. Chapter 20 A Problem Solved. Hopalong worried his way out of the desert on a straight line, thus cutting in half the distance he had traveled when going into it. He camped that night on the sand, and early the next morning took up his journey. It was noon when he began to notice familiar sights, and an hour later he passed within a mile of line house number three, double arrow. Half an hour later he espied a cowpuncher riding like mad thinking that an investigation would not be out of place, he rode after the rider and overtook him, when that person paused and retraced his course. "'Hullo, Hopalong!' shouted the puncher, and he came near enough to recognize his pursuer. "'Thought you was farmin' up on the staked plain.' "'Hullo, Pye,' replied Hopalong, recognizing Pye Willis. "'What was you chasin' so hard?' "'Coyote, damn em but can't they go some they're gettin so thick we'll sure have to try strychnine and thin em out i thought anybody that had been raised in the panhandle would know better'n to chase grease lightnin rebuked hoplong you got about as much show catchin one of them as a tenderfoot has of bustin an outlawed cayuse sure i know it responded pye grinning but it's fun seein em hunt the horizon "'What are you doing down here, and where are your partners?' Thereupon Hopalong enlightened his inquisitive companion as to what had occurred, and as to his reasons for riding south. Pye immediately became enthusiastic, and announced his intention of accompanying Hopalong on his quest, which intention struck that gentleman as highly proper and wise. Then Pye hastily turned, and played at chasing coyotes, in the direction of the line-house, where he announced that his absence would be accounted for by the fact that he and Hopalong were going on a journey of investigation into the panhandle. Billy Jordan, who shared with Pye the accommodations of the house, objected and showed very clearly why he was eminently better qualified to take up the proposed labors than his companions. The suggestions were fast getting tangled up with remarks, when Pye, grabbing a chunk of jerked beef, leaped into his saddle, and absolutely refused to heed the calls of his former companion and return. He rode to where Hopalong was waiting for him, as if he was afraid he wasn't going to live long enough to get there. Confiding to his companion that Billy was a locoed sage-hen, he led the way along the base of the white sand-hills and asked many questions. Then they turned toward the east and galloped hard. It had been Hopalong's intention, to carry out what he had told Red, and to go to Big Spring first, and thence north along Sulphur Spring Creek, but to this his guide strongly dissented. There was a shortcut, or several of them, for that matter, was Pye's contention, and any one of them would save a day's hard riding. Hopalong made no objection to allowing his companion to lead the way over any trail he saw fit for he knew that Pye had been born and brought up in the Panhandle, the Cunningham Lake District, having been his backyard, as it were. So they followed the short cut, having the most water and grass, and pounded out a lively tattoo as they raced over the stretches of sand, which seemed to slide beneath them. "'What do you know about this here business?' inquired Pye, as they raced past a chaparral and into the edge of a grassy plain. Nothing more than you do. Only Buck said he thought Slippery Trendley is at the bottom of it. What? Ejaculated Pye in surprise. Him? You're on. And between you and me and the devil, I wouldn't be a heap surprised if Deacon Rankin is with him. Neither. Pye whistled. Are him and the deacon pals? Sure. Replied Hopalong, buttoning up his vest and rolling a cigarette. Didn't they us hang out together? One watched that the other didn't get plugged from behind. It was a sort of you scratch my back and i will scratch yourn arrangement. Well, if they still hangs out together, I know where to hunt for our cows, responded Pye. The deacon used to range along the headwaters of the Colorado. It ain't far from Cunningham Lake. Thunderation, he shouted. I knows the very ground they're on. I can take you there to the very shack. Then to himself he muttered, and that doodlebug, Billy Jordan, thinkin' he knowed more about the panhandle than me. Hopalong showed his elation in an appropriate manner, and his companion drank deeply from the proffered flask. Thereupon they treated their mounts to liberal doses of strap-oil, and covered the ground with great speed. They camped early, for Hopalong was almost worn out from the exertions of the past few days, and the loss of sleep he had sustained. Pye, too excited to sleep, and having had unbroken rest for a long period, volunteered to keep guard, and his companion eagerly consented. Early the next morning they broke camp, and the evening of the same day found them fording Sulphur Spring Creek and their quarry lay only an hour beyond according to pye then they forded one of the streams which form the headwaters of the colorado and two hours later they dismounted in a cottonwood grove picketing their horses they carefully made their way through the timber which was heavily grown with brush and after half an hour's manoeuvring came within sight of the further edge dropping down on all fours they crawled to the last line of brush and looked out over an extensive bottoms. At their feet lay a small river, and in a clearing on the farther side was a rough camp, consisting of about a dozen lean-to shacks and log cabins in the main collection, and a few scattered cabins along the edge. A huge fire was blazing before the main collection of huts, and to the rear of these was an indistinct black mass, which they knew to be the corral. At a rude table before the fire, more than a score of men were eating supper, and others could be heard moving about and talking at different points in the background. While the two scouts were learning the lay of the land, they saw Mr. Trendley and Deacon Rankin walk out of the cabin most distant from the fire, and the latter limped. Then they saw two men lying on rude cots, and they wore bandages. Evidently, Johnny Redmond had scored in his fight the odor of burning cowhide came from the corral accompanied by the squeals of cattle and informed them that brands were being blotted out hopalong longed to charge down and do some blotting out of another kind but a heavy hand was placed on his shoulder and he silently wormed his way after pie as that person led the way back to the horses mounting they picked their way out of the grove and rode over the plain at a walk when far enough away to ensure that the noise made by their horses would not reach the ears of those in the camp they cantered toward the ford they had taken on the way up after emerging from the waters of the last forded stream pye raised his hand and pointed off toward the northwest telling his companion to take that course to reach cunningham lake he himself would ride south taking for the saving of time a yet shorter trail to the double arrow from where he would ride to Buck. He and the others would meet Hopalong and Red at the split rock they had noticed on their way up. Hopalong shook hands with his guide and watched him disappear into the night. He imagined he could still catch whiffs of burning cowhide, and again the picture of the camp came to his mind. Glancing again at the point where Pie had disappeared, he stuffed his sombrero under a strap on his saddle and slowly rode toward the lake a coyote slunk past him on a time-destroying lope and an owl hooted at the foolishness of men he camped at the base of a cottonwood and at daylight took up his journey after a scanty breakfast from his saddlebags. shortly before noon he came in sight of the lake and looked for his friend he had just ridden around a clump of cottonwoods when he was hit on the back with something large and soft turning in his saddle with his colts ready He saw Red sitting on a stump, a huge grin extending over his features. He replaced the weapons, said something about fools, and dismounted, kicking aside the bundle of grass his friend had thrown. "'You're sure easy,' remarked Red, tossing aside his cold cigarette. "'Suppose I was trendy. Where would you be now?' "'Diggin' a hole to put you in,' pleasantly replied Hopalong. If I didn't know he was around this part of the country, I wouldn't a rode as I did. The man on the stump laughed and rolled a fresh cigarette. Lighting it, he inquired where Mr. Trendley was, intimating by his words that the rustler had not been found. "'About thirty miles to the southeast,' responded the other. "'He's figurin' up how much dust he'll have when he gets our cows on the market. Deacon Rankin is with him, too.' "'The deuce!' exclaimed Red, in profound astonishment. "'You're right,' replied his companion. Then he explained all the arrangements, and told of the camp. Red was for riding to the rendezvous at once, but his friend thought otherwise, and proposed a swim, which met with approval. After enjoying themselves in the lake, they dressed and rode along the trail Hopalong had made in coming for his companion.' it being the intention of the former, to learn more thoroughly the lay of the land immediately surrounding the camp. Red was pleased with this, and while they rode, he narrated all that had taken place since the separation on the plain, adding that he had found the trail left by the rustlers after they had quitted the desert, and that he had followed it for the last two hours of his journey. It was well beaten, and an eighth of a mile wide." at dark they came within sight of the grove and picketed their horses at the place used by pie and Hopalong. then they moved forward and the same sight greeted their eyes that had been seen the night before keeping well within the edge of the grove and looking carefully for sentries they went entirely around the camp and picked out several places which would be of strategic value later on they noticed that the camp used by slippery trendley was a hundred paces from the main collection of huts and that the woods came to within a tenth part of that distance of its door it was heavily built had no windows and faced the wrong direction moving on they discovered the storehouse of the enemy another tempting place it was just possible if a siege became necessary for several of the attacking force to slip up to it and either destroy it by fire or take it and hold it against all comers this suggested a look at the enemy's water supply which was the river a hundred paces separated it from the nearest cabin and any rustler who could cross that zone under the fire of the besiegers would be welcome to his drink it was very evident that the rustlers had no thought of defence thinking perhaps that they were immune from attack with such a well-covered trail between them and their foes Hopalong mentally accused them of harboring suicidal inclinations, and returned with his companion to the horses. They mounted and sat quietly for a while, and then rode slowly away, and at dawn reached the split rock, where they awaited the arrival of their friends, one sleeping while the other kept guard. Then they drew a rough map of the camp, using the sand for paper, and laid out the plan of attack as the evening of the next day came on they saw a pie followed by many punchers ride over a rise a mile to the south and they rode out to meet them when the force arrived at the camp of the two scouts they were shown the plan prepared for them buck made a few changes in the disposition of the men and then each member was shown where he was to go and was told why weapons were put in a high state of efficiency canteens were refilled and haversacks were somewhat depleted then the newcomers turned in and slept while hopalong and red kept guard end of chapter 20